absolutely. I just think that that's a, a facet of our lives that we as homeschool moms really have to guard against is the, the pride that can come in there or like you said, having your identity wrapped up into your job because this is our occupation right now, but it's really short-lived, you know, and um, our pouring out into our children is just an expression of our own worship for God, that it's fulfilling the occupation that he's placed us in right now. And that won't last in this form for very long. You know, the kids are just at home for about 18 years, give or take. And so if all of our identity and all of our self-worth is in there, it's going to be really, really empty when they're gone. Not to mention it's wasted because it should all be given in worship to him. Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Hello, friends. Today, I am joined by Melissa McMahon. And Melissa and her husband, Mike, homeschool their five daughters in a rambling old house in Alabama. They have always used the classical Charlotte Mason curriculum, Ampleside Online, and are about to graduate their oldest in 2021. Congratulations about that. Thanks. <laughs> Melissa teaches ballet at a local studio and frequently appears in community theater productions. She enjoys reading good books, baking yummy food, and tending her roses. And you can find her on Instagram and YouTube as Care Paraval Academy, which is just a delightful name. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Melissa, could you start just first by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you came to start homeschooling? Sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, I'm married to Mike and we have five daughters. They are now 17, almost 16, almost 14, 12 and a half, and eight and a half. So um, it's been a lot of really busy years and here we are in the teenage, high school, middle school years, and one still in elementary. Um, I'm kind of an unlikely homeschooler. I uh, enjoy going to public school growing up. My father was in the military, we moved around a lot. And from seventh grade to 12th grade, we were stationed in Alaska, in Juneau. And I knew one homeschooling family and they were beyond crunchy. This was the kind of family that lived out in the woods and sent their five-year-old out with a knife to kill his first bear kind of family. Oh so goodness. that's all I knew of homeschooling. <laughs> and lovely people, and I could learn a lot from them, but I knew that wasn't really what we were going to be. Right. Um, but then after college, I worked uh, in politics. I worked for a conservative think tank, and I came across a lot of homeschoolers who weren't quite so crunchy, um, that um, they were just reading good books, and I could see the fruit in their children, and it started to work on me as maybe something we might want to do. Do. And then after Mike and I married and moved to North Alabama, um, there were several families in our church who homeschooled. And through that, before I ever had children of my own or when they were really little, um, I became a tutor to some homeschool girls. 
in high school and then also some boys and I tutored them and my first student is now a mom of four homeschooling herself so I kind of feel almost like a grandma homeschooler <laughs> and being able to see some of the fruit of that labor so I was able to see it first really from the high school level and then um, started with my little one when she was turned well really four or five was when we kind of started when I discovered Charlotte Mason and uh, and we've just done it ever ever since we've always taken it year by year and child by child and I'm as surprised as anyone that we're still here and still doing this like I guess it's official I guess we're really homeschoolers now yeah There's still no knives yeah. and bears or anything <laughs> like that so but homeschoolers come in all different flavors as you know and um, I'm glad that my mind was open enough to meet other people and to see the different ways that homeschooling could be done. And of course, our family doesn't look like anybody else and they don't look like us. And that's the beauty of it is that we've got the flexibility and the freedom to tailor our kids' education for what they need. Absolutely. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually a second generation homeschooler. Yes. And so it is so much fun to me to see the wide variety, even more so now than there were when I was a student myself, because I do love that about homeschooling, how we're really able to find the ways to apply principles in non-rigid ways to make them fit our own families, our own unique circumstances, our own unique children. And it's really Absolutely. a beautiful part of homeschooling. And so many resources are available now that I know your parents didn't have, but are available to homeschoolers now. And so there's just that wide variety that is such a blessing that I don't know that our generation of homeschoolers really appreciates as well as your parents and others of that generation. I know. I mean, how did they homeschool without the internet? I'm very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> library card. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, earlier that when you started homeschooling your oldest when she was little, that was around the time that you had discovered Charlotte Mason. So that was something I wanted to ask. Had you always sort of pursued a Charlotte Mason education? Um, did you start right away with Ambleside Online? Or how has your homeschool philosophy kind of grown over the years? Well, when I first heard of Charlotte Mason, it was in kind of a derogatory way, to be honest. It was introduced to me as um, oh, that's just children who go out and play in the wildflowers all day and they don't learn any math or science. <laughs> and I didn't know to look any further, so I was just looking at other types of ways to homeschool my children. Um, and then through a variety of means, I came upon other people who were actually knew what Charlotte Mason had written, <laughs> which is not children playing around in wildflowers and not learning math and science and reading her own volumes. And so that was the inspiration for me. And I found Ambleside Online early on, for which I'm really grateful. There are lots of good Charlotte Mason curricula out there. And I was just glad to find Ambleside early on. And we just always stuck with it. Uh, I love the generous spirit behind it of the women who have been there and done that and have put together this curriculum for all to enjoy freely. And the supportive group that's there now, fellow moms who are trying to help each other in this path. So uh, we've, we've just always stuck with that. Anytime that I've kind of strayed or, you know, kind of looked to see if the grass is greener, um, I can see the value in different things, but I've really appreciated the whole of Ambleside. Um, you can certainly pick and choose and uh, cobble together whatever works for your family. Uh, I just didn't have that energy to do that. So I was really glad to have it all put together for me and tried and true. And books that I loved. And that was one part too, is that 
I was almost sold. And then I looked at the upper years and then I was completely sold because they are so beautiful. And right now I've been preparing for my oldest to be in year 12. So I've been able to pre-read her books, which, you know, is the best perk of being a homeschool mom is being able to pre-read and call it work. <laughs> and it's just a wonderful way to send your kid off into the world with, with the way that they have set up year 12. You don't have to do year 12, but it's a wonderful capstone for any student who's about to head off to college or where, wherever else. I like to tell my kids that books are my love language. So all these books that I'm giving them to read are just the way I'm showing how much I love them. <laughs> Such a fun part. I like that, yes. Well, what do you especially love about Charlotte Mason classical education? You've, you've mentioned a few things, but is there anything else that you would bring up? Well, I think, um, and going back to, you asked what um, appealed to me first, and, and it's really Charlotte Mason saying that children are born persons because that just fit my own philosophy as far as they are not buckets to be filled or um, prizes to be shown off. I'll just go ahead and say, I think a lot in the homeschool community, we can get really caught up in pride and um, using our kids to kind of validate our work as homeschool moms. And um, so there's kind of a dog and pony component to it sometimes if you're not really careful. So it really appealed to me that you're approaching education from a place of humility, that I'm not the teacher, the books are the teachers. I'm kind of facilitating that. I am setting out a wide feast for my children and they can pick and choose, but there's this feast laid out for them from great minds that have gone before and great wisdom there. I love that it's scripture saturated. Um, not all the books are Christian books, but we certainly have those discussions as, as we go there. And that comes out in all of Charlotte Mason's philosophy too. I really loved what you said about the need for humility in education. Of course, you can tell because of the name of my site. That's an important <laughs> part of my philosophy of education. And I've noticed as I've had these conversations over the past few months, that especially when it comes to moms who have been homeschooling for a little while, um, or who have, you know, are veteran homeschool moms who are sort of uh, retired, I guess, and now serving the homeschool community, that comes up again and again, this issue of where we as homeschool moms place our identity. And um, I actually had a wonderful conversation with Missy Andrews from Center for Lit about this issue. I don't know if you've read her new memoir, but I have not yet. Oh, you have to add that to your book stack. Um, okay. just incredibly encouraging and convicting. Um, but that whole issue of, are we looking to our children for our identity their accomplishments? Do we find our identity in our own strengths? Even sometimes those can be the most dangerous things um, instead of looking to Jesus and having his grace be what is sustaining our homeschool. So I just I think that's such an important thing. And, you know, I say this and I'm preaching it to myself because as many times as I say it, I need to keep reminding myself the same thing. Absolutely. I just think that that's a a facet of our lives that we as homeschool moms really have to guard against is the, the pride that can come in there or like you said having your identity wrapped up into your job because this is our occupation right now but it's really short-lived you know and um, our pouring out into our children is just an expression of our own worship for God that it's fulfilling the occupation that he's placed us in right now and that won't last in this form 
for very long. You know, the kids are just at home for about 18 years, give or take. And so if all of our identity and all of our self-worth is in there, it's going to be really, really empty when they're gone. Not to mention it's wasted because it should all be given in worship to him. Well, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know how much I love including poetry and other beautiful memory work in our family's homeschool day. But if you've wondered what are the best morning time poems to include, well, I have a free printable for you. Head to humilityanddoxology.com slash 100 morning time poems, and you'll get to download a list of 100 of my favorites. And then be sure to come back and let me know which ones your family has enjoyed. So it is a mindset that I have to keep reminding myself and going back to and trying to help young homeschool moms to to start off with that mindset and to save themselves a lot of grief later. But I think it really is a temptation for those of us who are homeschooling our children. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a pretty big challenge to to face and overcome as a homeschool mom. But have there been any other challenges that you have faced and what encouragement could you give to moms from your experience there? Yeah, um, I mean, part of it is not making it your identity. I've always been really careful to say I'm not a homeschooler. I'm a mom who homeschools (laughs) because that's just a little distinction there. I mean, I don't get hung up on it. I don't correct people, (laughs) but... um, because I'm more than that, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, and I also homeschool. And trying to, um, of course, it was much harder when they were all really little, but trying to keep my own interests that are outside of my children. Um, of course, that is my main ministry right now, as to my family, but um, staying involved with our local church, finding other ways that I can minister to other people in the community. And also that my children can see what it looks like to be an adult, um, and especially an adult woman. They, they might not be married. They might not have children. They might not homeschool their children. So I, want, I don't want them to have their only example of an adult woman as a homeschooling mom, because that might not be what they do. So I want to show them a, a full life and, and a life that continues to be educated, you know, back to the humility, knowing that just because I have a degree doesn't mean that I'm done being educated and I don't want them to ever think that either. And so I, they need to see my husband and me also learning and valuing our own education that continues through all of our lives. But as far as particular challenges, um, my first four children were born in four and a half years. And then we had a four year break and then the baby or dessert came. <laughs> and So having them so close has been a great blessing, but it's also been a challenge not to view them as a clump, and especially since they're all girls and they have similar interests, um, but to to really see them as individual people, they're born persons with individual needs. You know, we've done the same curriculum pretty much for each of them, but it has been a challenge to make sure that it is tailored to each one according to her own strengths and weaknesses. to know them well and to not just see them as a clump um, because I think that can be a tendency for families who have children really close together like we did. 
Yeah, something that we talk about here is like wanting to have individual relationships with each child. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have individual one-on-one time with them every single day <laughs> because it's impossible. I mean, as a mom of five, I don't know that I could necessarily meet every single child, every single need, every single day. But if I think of it more across the whole week and I make sure right. you know, we get everyone has good connection over the course of the week, um, that's, that's I think, a, a more encouraging way to, to approach it so I'm not overwhelmed. Right. Right. Well, for moms of many, what encouragement or strategies can you offer as they seek to educate all of their children well, especially balancing the discussions you're going to want to have with older children while you might still have little people running around? Right. Uh, we have instituted a morning time symposium, we call it, and that was through the um, finding Cindy Rollins and her blog years and years ago, who also, I think, sent me in the way of ample side many years ago. Um, so that's been a way that we can do some subjects together while they each have their own years that they work on. Um, and I did elect to let them have their own years again to uh, make sure that they were challenged how they needed to be and not overwhelmed, though there are some subjects that we do together. Uh, and having that morning time lets us be together. I know a lot of people really want to do the history stream amongst the family. And that may be, and that's a great reason to do that. But I have found that because everybody has her own year, I think we actually have more conversations because we're learning about different things all the time. Um, the older ones can remember the things that they learned that the little ones are reading now, and the little ones have things to look forward to. And it's, it's kind of like if you go on vacation with a whole group of people, with your family and you're doing the same thing every day and then you get to dinner and then there's nothing to talk about because you've all been together all day long. <laughs> so I kind of see education a little bit like that in that we've all been different places throughout the day so then at dinner we can all talk about those places and perhaps even have richer conversations because of that and make different connections. So that that's one thing that we've chosen to do that I've been really really glad about. Also like you said, you know, finding those moments that we can be with each child as much as we can. We had a wise father told us when we had very little children, never run an errand by yourself, which when he said that, I just died a little bit inside because <laughs> errand running was my chance to be by myself. <laughs> um, but he was so right. So anytime we would go to the grocery store back in the days when we would do such things I would say who wants to go with me and um, just to take one person just 10 minutes in the car can be what she needs to have a good conversation it doesn't have to be deep but just to connect with that child one-on-one -on -one. so that's that's been a, a practical way we've done things um, last year this was a fun thing I did and I would love for everybody to be able to do this and we just kind of happen into it. I've always wanted to take my kids to London to see all the historical sites and I thought it might be a graduation gift and last um, February I was looking online and found some amazing plane tickets, plane fares, so I went ahead and bought three tickets and took my then 16-year-old uh, and 15-year-old to London, the three of us, and so I plan to do that again with my other children, Lord willing, and can find the same good prices. Um, it was a wonderful trip because we could just have fun together. 
Uh, it was you know, tied in with school because we had done the research. We knew what we were going to see. Uh, we called it a field trip, uh, but it was just very I, bonding. I never. Right? <laughs> it, was, it was bonding for us. And um, it, was, it was just a lovely, lovely time. And I'm glad we did it then for their sophomore and junior years because things are getting so much busier now. It'd be much harder to do. And well, of course, now with travel stuff right now. Um, so I'm very thankful we did that. And I look forward to doing that with the other children too. But and it doesn't have to be as big as London, but maybe being able to take some trips on the side with one or two children uh, to just have fun with them too, because you're not just homeschooling, you are mom too. And uh, start to build the relationships in those ways is really valuable, I think. Oh, that is such a wonderful encouragement to remember, especially when you're in the thick of it and you're just trying to get everybody to like do what you have on their list and check it off and move to the next thing and keep the ball rolling to not lose sight of, of that relationship that is mother-child that is, you know, much bigger than just the homeschool part of our day. Absolutely. And I have found too, I don't pre-read everything now they're older because there's just so much. Um, but I try to at least have read one or two books from each term that the girls are reading on their own so that we can get into deeper discussions of that. And, you know, if you start that when your child is year seven or so and just stay a little bit ahead of her or, or him, um, then you can, that's manageable. And I've even seen parents try to do it, you know, when they're, if you need something to read when they're in first grade, go ahead and read what's gonna be some of their future school books so that you can have that and be able to discuss it with them. And that has added a different element because we're both approaching the book humbly and as learners. And there's camaraderie in that. Uh, there's a discipleship element in that we're both sitting at the feet of this teacher. And I think it's valuable for them to see that I am, approaching the work in the same way. And um, it's certainly helpful for me to see them as fellow co-learners that they are officially in school. I'm not officially in school, but we're all, all learning from these books and we will continue to all of our lives. Well, that leads me to a question that I've been asking all my guests this season. What are you reading right now? <laughs> well, I, um, every year I read Pride and Prejudice every summer. And I've been doing that since I was 14. So this is my 34th reading of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> so that's my fun book for the summer. Um, I'm also reading uh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. I've never read that before and it's delightful. Um, and I just, <laughs> I have a list of books that I know will be so delightful that I don't want to read them yet because I want to anticipate them. <laughs> But now that I am getting older, I'm thinking maybe I need to get into this list. <laughs> so um, I just discovered P.G. Woodhouse. Oh, I love Woodhouse. Yeah, I know. And I knew I would. And I do. And so now I'm just trying to, to make it last. <laughs> well, thankfully, there are quite a few Woodhouse books. So you have a little bit of... Right. <laughs> but... Yeah, they're so delightful. I love them. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to get out my Woodhouse again. I have been going deep back into comfort rereading um, in 2020. So I think I yeah. almost finished rereading all of the Lord Peter books. And, oh, fun. Um, but I guess now that those are about done, I'll have to go dig out my old Woodhouse as well. It, it's a nice distraction in this day and age. Good fun. Yes. 
Well, my final question for you is if you're talking to a new homeschool parent, I know there are lots of new homeschool moms and dads this fall, maybe even unexpectedly homeschooling. Um, what would you say to that new homeschool parent? I would encourage them to figure out why they want to homeschool. Um, I think it's um, oftentimes people go into homeschooling out of fear and that's that's not a great reason. <laughs> so to think of the positives of why you want to homeschool, um, figure out the philosophy of, of the whys, what you want this to look like, uh, what your goals are in that for the whole family, not just for that individual child. Um, to, to think about the bigger picture a little bit more, I, I think especially right now in the summer of 2020 when people just aren't sure of what the world is going to look like, there is a lot of fear there. And I think that is driving some people to homeschool. And I think that's great if they were already kind of thinking of homeschooling, this was just kind of the push that pushed them into it. But I would hate for anybody to fall into it without really giving it some thought and seeing the positives for it and to see it as a positive action and not a negative action. So that that's usually my first piece of advice. I've, I've got a bunch of advice, but I try not to give it all at once. <laughs> well, if people want to hear more of your words of wisdom, where can they find you online? Well, I don't know about wisdom, but I do try to, to share some tips of what works for our family. I'm on Instagram, Care Paravel Academy, and I, I just fell into making YouTube videos uh, this summer. We had a local lady who was putting together a homeschool conference and then it had to go virtual, so she asked me to do a couple of talks and they went on YouTube and I figured, well, I've, I've got more to say. So um, it's Care Paravel Academy on YouTube also. Great, and I will have those linked up over at the show notes at humilityanddoxology.com. Thank, Thank you. you, Melissa, so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving Relish the joy of learning and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.